Good evening, Highfelt. What an honor to share with you tonight. Um, and uh, it would have been great to be with you in person. But I mean, it's awesome what you guys are doing and how you discuss the sermons. Because ultimately, it's not the format that we bring the Word of God. But it's actually the application and how we actually allow this to penetrate our hearts, to change us, transform us, and make us obedient to Jesus. I pray tonight as we continue with, you know, the topic of prayer, you know, prayer and relationship and what prayer does. I'm going to continue tonight with prayer that unlocks the supernatural. And before that, we ask, let's ask the supernatural God to be with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. As we gather tonight in your name, we pray, Father, that you would inspire us. But above it, Father, we pray that you would penetrate our hearts. And Lord, that you would help us to see you, to desire you so that we can fill your purpose on earth. Bless every person who listens to us tonight. And Lord, I pray that you anoint my words so that it will really inspire your people and raise them up to become the people that can be used of you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To all of you visiting us tonight, maybe at the venue or even online, welcome. We pray that tonight will bless you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Philip Pretorius. I am part of the National Citywide team. And um, a great privilege to minister to you guys tonight. We believe that God has called us you know, for the city and to impact the city. And thank you for being part of this. And thank you for opening up your hearts to the word we're sharing tonight. Now we're going to look at two things, prayer and supernatural. Let's turn to our Bibles in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 5. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him being crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in the plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What a powerful scripture. I mean, talking about Paul says here, I came to you, brothers, proclaiming, you know, the testimony of God. Not my own thing. I came to proclaim the testimony of God. What's the testimony of God? And I didn't do it with lofty human words. I didn't come with human ability and human kind of properly worked out and human knowledge. You've done seven degrees. I mean, and, and, and you've got this incredible way of, you know, conveying the word of God. I, I look at all of that and I say, That's it, the essence of it, I came to proclaim the testimony of God. Now, the testimony, we can look at supernatural, which produces testimonies. But in this context, the testimony of God is basically the gospel, the good news, an aspect of the gospel that affected people's lives. It is, I decided to know nothing amongst you. doesn't mean Paul doesn't know anything else. He says, but I'm going to help you to understand that the primary focus, the primary objective is Christ being glorified. Not me, not human beings. See, friends, many times we can look at the supernatural, and I've even seen people chase the supernatural, but ultimately it's because of sometimes the insecurity and the, and the yearning in our hearts for acceptance and significance, so that when I'm used of God, people will know my name. It's just another format of idols. It's the spiritual idol site. It's like when people see I can perform miracles, then people will come to me, and people will ask me, and it's all about, Paul says, I decided this is not about me. This is about Jesus Christ and Him being crucified. It's all about Him. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Oh, look at Paul's life here. You see, this is a vital view in me to hear this. He says, Paul, says, I came to you 
in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. You see, friends, many times we kind of feel like, I'm afraid, therefore I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm weak, therefore I can't do it. Paul says, I was weak. I was trembling. I was in fear. But still I obeyed Jesus. Still I stepped out. See, this releases us from human performance. It releases us from being these superhumans. You know, wow, that guy is a superhuman guy. Strong Christian. You know, he's got all his, his ducks in a row. No, Paul didn't have all his ducks in a row. Paul said, I came in fear. But my faith is in Christ, not in my ability. See, friends, it, it releases not just from performance, but it releases from trying to hype something up, try to develop, to manufacture something on the inside before God can use us. Paul says, no, just be a human being, trusting in a superhuman God, trusting in a supernatural God. And my speech was not, you know, in the plausible words of wisdom. The New King James say, not in the persuasive words of human wisdom. Friends, do we perform miracles? Do we see God's will on earth performed? Because we develop this superhuman kind of ability. The human wisdom that is so powerful and the human ability that is so attractive. See, that's what everybody wants to do outside of Christ. That's why people don't like the truth anymore. That's why people reject the truth because they want the human beings to be they're amazing. I listen sometimes to Yakaranda, and it's amazing to see all the efforts and the morning angels and all of that. And I appreciate people giving, and it's great we help other human beings. But you know what? In the absence of the gospel, what is good? In the absence of the gospel, he gets the glory. In the absence, you know, is it that this program is so incredible because they're helping so many people? And it is good. Thank God for the love that we see there and so on. But you know what? Ultimately, if Christ is left out of the equation, what is the ultimate, ultimate result? See, Paul says, let's be careful to put so much and too much towards human beings. Friends, we need to be careful that we don't start to idolize Christian leaders. That we don't idolize, because then we get majorly disappointed when we hear in the news what's happened with their lives. And, and constantly now we are bombarded with things that comes into the news and, and leaders that have fallen. And therefore, people don't serve Jesus. Friends, we never serve leaders because of the leaders. We serve Jesus because of Jesus. We follow Jesus because of Jesus. We should not idolize the gifts of God on people's lives. We should focus on God. Christ, Paul says, as is but in demonstration of spirit and power. Our faith is a demonstration of the spirit and of power. And there must be a manifestation. There must be a demonstration of God. The demonstration is not Philip. The demonstration is not every nation. The demonstration should not be somebody. The ultimate demonstration is ultimately about God. So that people's faith will not rest in the wisdom of a man. That people's faith should not be, oh, their family, oh, this church, that person. Now, I believe we should be loyal to church because being not loyal is not godly. We should be loyal. But uh, hopefully as a movement or as a church, every nation, we make Christ the center. And we make sure that people love Jesus and therefore they are loyal and committed to the church. But it's not about the church primary. It's not about the leaders. It's not about, you know, even the fact that we make disciples. It's all coming back to Jesus Christ being glorified. It says that your faith should be in God. Friends, when your faith is not in God and lockdown has tested many people, when your faith is not in God, 
and has been in a man and God's taken that man out of the equation or the gathering has been limited or, you know, whatever you know, challenge we faced, you're going to face them. You're going to have a major faith crisis. Now, if we continue here, it says the testimony, which means the gospel of Jesus Christ is what Paul's focusing on here. Now, the two aspects is prayer and supernatural. Let's talk about prayer. What is prayer? Is prayer just human beings in their own human wisdom again? Speak to Jesus and tell him what he needs to do. Almost kind of remind God because he forgot what he needs to do on earth. We kind of have to remind Jesus and kind of almost sometimes manipulate God so that he would fulfill the things we think should be done. Is prayer this, you, you develop this incredible way to quote scriptures and you name it and you claim it. And it, it's how soft you speak, how loud you speak, how dominant you are. Is it at all in any human performance? Or could it just be you gently softly whisper something, God hears your voice? I mean, I'm watching this amazing series of Chosen. I mean, at some places, Jesus is closed, sat at some places, and he just laid his hands, and you don't even hear him speak words. And then you see the water turn into wine, and he doesn't speak. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Can God read your mind? Can God read just your thoughts? Is it in the way we perform, or is it actually just in the faith we have in God? What is communication? Is communication not a two-way, you know, communication? If you think about a husband and a wife, friendships, is it only, could a friendship be healthy or a marriage be healthy if one person is the speaker and the other one is only the listener? Or the other one only listens but never speaks? Or can you say that the healthy communication is somebody who speaks and they can listen and somebody who listens and they speak? It's two-way. Now, friends, when we talk about prayer, we sometimes make this a one-way thing. It's us speaking to God, us telling God, us asking God, us praying is asking God, telling God, and want God to do things. And then we wonder why so many of our prayers are unanswered. I hope I'm going to bring clarity to this, I believe, unbiblical definition. Prayer is a two-way communication. It is us speaking to God, but it's also us listening to God. It's us hearing God's voice. You know, and if we don't hear God's voice, why? So what is prayer really? When we think about prayer to perform miracles, you know, many people, you know, think it's because you have, you, you're older spiritually, you're more mature, and therefore the way you pray, pray, the way you speak, how long you pray, you know, there's so many skills and tricks you want to learn. And ultimately, can God heal somebody just by saying, be healed? It's not even elegance of words. Friends, what is prayer? Let me explain to you what I believe prayer is. I look at Jesus' life and I look at word definition in a holistic approach. I believe that prayer is a two-way communication. I believe prayer, yes, you and I can share with God and we can ask in the supplications. But I believe the ultimate purpose of prayer is you and I get so close to God that we start to see God for who He is. And prayer changes us. It changes our position. It changes our behavior. It changes our desires. It changes us into the image of God. It changes the one, things we want and the things we don't want. Prayer aligns us with the will of God. Imagine this. We ask God for things, but we never align with God's will and we don't want God's will. But God must answer our prayers. Friends, that's not biblical prayer. 
Biblical prayer is in alignment with God. And when you're not in alignment with God, when my children are in line with my will, it's much easier for me to answer their questions, their desires. But when my children are always disobedient and they don't care about you know, respecting their mother, respecting our rules, respecting, respecting us as a family, my heart kind of closed a little bit. Although I'm a dad, I'll still feed them and I'll still look after them. But there's no need design their hearts to align themselves, to obey. Friends, let me tell you, at the core of the reason why we sometimes don't see the power of God and miracles and signs and wonders is because not we speak. The world all speak. It's because we don't listen. It's because we don't stop and hear God's voice. Let me confirm this with Scripture. Romans 10 verse 17. He says, consequently, faith comes. Now we want faith. Awesome. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So without faith, no miracles. So how do we get faith? He says, faith comes. From hearing. Wow. No hearing, no faith. Not speaking. Faith comes from hearing the message. Hearing God's word. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Again, Christ is at the center. When we don't hear God's word, when we don't hear God's will and God's ways, how can we in faith ask for God's will and God's ways? If we don't hear and know the will of God, how can you in faith pray for the word of God? How can you pray for things to happen? I believe many times unanswered prayer could be unbiblical prayers, could be misaligned prayers. It's not just the concept of prayer. It's actually more about Jesus again. Now, hearing God's voice is at the core of successful prayer. Abram heard God's voice. Abram, come, follow me. The Bible says, I shared this this morning in my connect group. We spoke about this scripture. Abram got up, took his whole family, his wife and everybody else. Where are we going? I don't know. God said we must go. How's that for hearing God's voice? Not knowing where he's going, but he obeyed. You look at Moses. He heard God's voice. God speak to him. It was not Moses telling God, let's go to Israel, let's do this. No, Moses came in fear and trembling. God says, Moses, I've called you. Go to Israel. Go to Pharaoh and say this. And here Moses go. And he delivers the nation because he heard God's voice. Joshua heard God's voice. And he delivered people and led them into Canaan. David heard God's voice. Even with Saul trying to kill David, he kept on restraining himself from responding waiting for God's deliverance. And ultimately, God made him king. He heard God's voice. Joseph was sold by his brothers. How far is your rejection? Joseph was sold by his brothers. Into slavery. Never to be seen again. They thought he was dead. But God spoke to Joseph and said, Joseph, I'm with you. God took him in the midst of an ungodly kingdom. Raised him to become second in charge. Ultimately, saving the very same people who sold him. My friends, many times God will use it in supernatural ways. But Joseph heard God's voice. That kept him sane in jail. That kept him full of faith in jail. Not locked down, jail. That kept him away from his family in faith because he heard God's voice. You look at Daniel. He heard God's voice in the midst of even people bowing down. They said, they're not going to bow down. And even going through the furnace, he said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still going to worship him. He heard God's voice. Esther heard God's voice and, and, and actually delivered a whole nation. Paul on the road of Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He heard God's voice. He responded to God's voice and became a powerful preacher. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And the last most powerful one, example. Jesus says, I do nothing unless 
I hear my father's voice. I do nothing unless the father speaks to me. I'm here through the exact representation of my father. Friends, you look at Jesus, all of his testimonies, there's an incredible aspect of hearing that actually was the foundation of their success. Activating the supernatural power of God in and through us requires us not just speaking, but listening. Hearing God's voice, meaning that we will align ourselves with God's will and God's ways, then we will not be disappointed because you don't have to bribe God to do His will. He's going to do His will. But the amazing thing is when we align ourselves, we see more breakthrough. We see more things. And many times, God doesn't want to provide now because God first wants to work on our character and then He provides. God's economy is a little bit different from the world's economy. So let's look at the supernatural. Supernatural. Now the Auntie Google says supernatural means the attribute to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. Let me put it in simple words. Supernatural means supernatural, above, beyond, the natural. Something that happened that was beyond the natural cause of life, natural human ability of life, a power that is stronger, that causes something that is humanly impossible. You know, God stopped the sun. The natural flow is sun comes up, sun goes down. God stops the sun. Supernatural. We look at supernatural. Now it's important that we define what supernatural is, but then we go back to the Bible because we also find now in the church world the supernatural chases. And that's supernatural and this is not. So we're going to clarify that. Supernatural must involve a higher, stronger being that changes the natural cause of life because it becomes supernatural. Now let's look at Jesus' words. John 14 verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Yes, Jesus. I mean, where do you want to have somebody do greater works than Jesus? And Jesus says himself. Let me clarify this. It's not in quality, but in quantity. What do I mean by quality? There is no greater supernatural work demonstration on the face of the earth in throughout human history and ever into the future there is no greater supernatural demonstration than somebody being raised from the dead no somebody being healed no provision no those are all supernatural but that's not the greatest demonstration of supernatural you see, because of this wrong definition of chasing the supernatural, because when I, I can raise somebody from the dead, man, I, people, I'll have followers on Twitter. I'll have people on Facebook. I just need to make sure I post it. The celebrity spiritual celebrity status. We post a picture of everything about ourselves all the time because we want to have more people attracted to us. Is that really the purpose of supernatural? So I can have a business card that says apostle full. Could I have, you know, you know, making myself famous because I have the power of God? Are we using the power of God to abuse the power of God? Or is it about, Paul says, I decide to know nothing. He doesn't even know his title. Nothing but Christ. See, friends, the supernatural, the greatest demonstration, if you measure this not in earthly desires and earthly measurements, but in eternity, is you could be healed and still not be saved. You could be supernaturally raised from the dead and still not be saved. Or be saved but still backslide. Friends, the greatest supernatural act of God is when a lost person gets born again. 
when a person is eternally condemned into hell are saved into relationship with Jesus for eternity. There is no greater miracle. Any other miracle should lead to this. Salvation and sanctification. Salvation, I get born again. Sanctification is the ongoing process from salvation that keeps on saving us to become more like Jesus. See, it's one thing to say, God healed me from a back pain, but I still don't serve him. God healed my arm, but I still live in sin. It's a total different ball game when you say, you know what, the supernatural God who died on a cross not just to heal our bodies, but to save our souls entered my life. Once I was a sinner, I am no more. Let me explain to you how supernatural this is. You've got a beautiful cat at home. Man, and you love your cat, and you feed your cat, and your cat mouse, your cat, you know, chases rats. Your cat is a cat. Okay, purrs and all of that. You walk into your home, you know, after work one day, and suddenly your cat starts to bark. And your cat chases no more rats. Your cat chases dogs. And your cat's whole nature has changed. And you ask your wife, what happens? She says, no, I don't know. Some lightning hit my cat, and suddenly my cat became a dog. You're going to say, that is not normal. That's what we mean by supernatural. It's a cat becoming a dog, a fish becoming an elephant. It's not evolution. It's supernatural, unnatural. <laughs> it's not normal. When a sinner comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it is a fish becoming an elephant. It's become a cat becoming a dog. It's not just a natural cause. It's a supernatural transformation that changes you and me into the image of God. That's what it means to be supernatural. You see, all the other things are just precursors. It is the explosion of God. Miracles is the explosion of God's almightiness and His beauty in somebody's face. Somebody get healed from cancer. Why? Maybe so that they could get saved and sanctified, not just that they can testify no more cancer. Maybe somebody gets saved, healed from something, so that they can stop with their arrogance and humble themselves to the Lordship of Christ and being used of God and make themselves available to God and not just testify, once I was healed, but now I still live for self. See, supernatural is way beyond just provision, protection. It's way beyond just the miracle of healing. It is the soul aligning with Jesus Christ, being transformed in the very same image of God that you and I create in His image, and therefore we desire to become like Him. That is supernatural. People sometimes have a definition, I don't see the supernatural. I say, is there no salvations? You know what, when you raise your child in a godly way, is that not supernatural? Or do you think it's natural ability? When you live for Jesus, is that not supernatural? If you start to serve Jesus, is that not supernatural? If you obey the supernatural God, is that not supernatural? It takes God to live for God, friends. Anything in God is supernatural. There's just different manifestations. But let's not idolize the one above the other. Let's make Christ the center here. I want to share with you a few testimonies in my life. And um, to encourage you, you know, I got saved at the age of six. I was privileged to be brought up on a farm. My parents, my in-law, my grandfather, they loved Jesus. And I was, you know, privileged of... You know, one day at five years old, I was driving my, my, my father-in-law in his truck. And, uh, he, you know, he, there was a sheep sick and it was lying there. And my grandfather stopped. And, yeah, usually he called the vet. But before he called the vet, he went up to the sheep, prayed for the sheep. And, yeah, the sheep got, get, gets healed. That was a real sheep, not a human sheep. I mean, and this thing gets healed. 
jumps up and he runs off. I'm five years old. I had another occasion, I drove, drove with him and it started hailing and hailing. And he said, Lord, he pulled off his truck and he said, Lord, you asked me to sow this money, give it away. I'm asking you to stop this hail, protect our crop. And as a five-year-old, I witnessed how the hail draw a line in the sky and literally stopped on the fence and no crop was damaged. He spoke to hail and it listened. Why? Because he's so a strong human being. Ah. God said to him, you heard God's voice. Give away the money. I'll protect your crop. And he just said, Lord, I did it. Friends, I can tell you story upon story from my grandfather, my own dad. My uncle was bitten by a puff adder when he was a youngster. And uh, my, my dad, they ran him down the mountain. And then the, the other brother ultimately took him to the bucky. And they took him to hospital. And ultimately later on, you know, he passed away. Three doctors signed his death certificate. He was dead for an hour. My grandfather walked into the hospital and said to the doctors, I'll embrace this. Uncle Snowman, he's, he's, he's passed away. He says, I want to see my son. Standing next to this dead body, he prayed to God. He said, God, if you want to take my son, you God. Just tell me, I'll embrace it. But if not, I pray that you would push, that you would blow back, you would give back life into my son's body. The next moment, when Peter is now my uncle, he's got three children, hearts start to beat again. Yes, he was raised from the dead. He's alive. You can ask him. Now, growing up like that, how can I believe in religion? There's no way you can. See, friends, but does that change me to chase, you know, I want to raise people from the dead? Or does it change me? I want to know this amazing God behind who he raises people from the dead. Thank God I wanted to know this God. And today... 46 years long, 46 years I've been knowing God and having a relationship with Him personally. I got saved at the age of six, obviously, because of all the things I saw. I walked into the church one day here in Pretoria, Hatfield Christian Church, and a lady walked into the church, pale in the face. She got a neck brace on. She had a drip in her hand. And uh, I was sitting there. I was not a member. I was just visiting the church. And God says, get up and pray for this lady. I heard God's voice. What do I do? Oh, I'm too afraid. Yes, I was. <laughs> I I'm weak. Yes, I was. But before I was allowing my emotions to hold me into passivity and disobedience, I said to a friend of mine, let's go and pray for this lady. Walk up to her and said, listen, tell me what happened. She says, I fell on the ice ring and I've only got one kidney. So because, of the, the, um, the, uh, because I fell and I hurt my neck, they could not move me. But because of the ice, the one kidney I have collapsed. So the drip is keeping my kidney going and I can't move my neck. So I look at this lady and I said, God, oh no, man, could you choose maybe somebody with a headache? Um, but before I allow my emotions to put me into a disobedience, I said, let's just pray. Close your eyes, just pray. I mean, then you close your eyes. You kind of like, you know what? I mean, and I closed my eyes. I wasn't in super faith, friends. I was just obedient. As I was praying, her neck brace tore open, fell to the ground. I was so, I, I was in shock. I mean, Floyd, who stood next to me, we looked at us. Okay, there's another power involved here. It's not human. The next moment, she fell to the ground. My friends, she had a drip in her hand. Guess what happened? Drip pulled out, went through the air. Here the lady, lady lies on the floor, no neck brace, no drip, and I'm responsible. I prayed. So I was like, oh, and God says, what do you pray for? There's a nurse running up to us, and she wanted to put, she said, I can't put the drip back because it's infected, and, and, and people kind of scrambling around, and God says, Phil, why don't you pray? I said, God, because we believe that you can heal. He says, now it's time to believe. We turned to people around us and said, guys, we're going to have to trust God that she was healed. After a while, she got up, 
She looked at it, she moved the neck, and her neck was perfectly healed. Now, what about the drip? <laughs> now, I don't know why she had a drip, really, the depth of the medical you know, explanation. On Monday, she called me, she says, I went to the urologist, the same guy who took, her, took out the one kidney years back, 15 years ago. She said, the drip was keeping the other kidney going. Now, while the doctor looked at my neck, there was no problem, my neck was healed. But here's the miracle. She said, when they took an x-ray of my back, there were two perfect kidneys in my back without cutting wounds. We call that a creative miracle. Yes, I prayed that God would, I did pray for another kidney, but I wasn't the super faith. I was just praying, Lord, you know, give her another kidney, heal it. And, and supernaturally, God put another kidney back. So much so that the urologist says, this is spooky. Don't come back. I took out the other one. How did this one get back in here without cutting wounds? Friends, in 2005, I was driving, ministering to students in Stellenbosch. And on my way home, 10 o'clock at night, God says, turn around, go to Hais Marais. There's a guy, Donny Basson. My wife knew him. They were together at school. Go to him and minister to him. I've never met him face to face. Drive up. Now, I was battling a little bit because, again, you have to choose to obey. Paul says, I choose to know only Christ. Choose to obey. I heard God's voice. So I then drove up to Hais Marais. I said, listen, where's Donny Basson's room? And... Uh, Called him, he was awake. I walked into his room and we started talking. He said, I'm Rune's husband, introduced myself, start talking. I said, Why would God send me to your room at 10 o'clock at night? He basically said to me, My girlfriend left me today. I said, Ah, oh, that's why I'm here. Started to share with him. He confessed that he was living in sin with his girl. And, you know, grew up in a Christian home, traditional Christian home. A year later, he realized he's never been born again. I had the purpose of leading him to Christ. That same guy became one of my best friends. That same guy was the guy who asked me, Phil, would you guys come and plant the church in Pretoria? We want a disciple-making church. Why? Because he experienced discipleship when, we just, when he got saved in Sonobosh. That same guy became, at some stage, a partner in my business. That same guy is one of my best friends. That same guy married Renee's best friend. Friends, after, behind be obedience, behind the miracles, is relationships. Behind all of this is God's will to be fulfilled. He's got children today, and he raised them in a godly way. Why? The miracle is not about the miracle. The miracle is about God's will be fulfilled. That is a miracle of salvation. You know, me and Renee, we married, and I've got four brothers and one sister. And, I mean, the, most of them, you know, their spouses just walk over their underpants and they get pregnant. We not. You know what? We battled for quite a few years, and then we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Phil, you have a 4% sperm count. It's going to be basically impossible for you to have children. Now so I walked out and said, no, you need to be careful whose word we listen to. I went to God. Guess what? Yes, I prayed, but here's what happened. God spoke to me. I heard God's voice. And God said to me, you will have children. Your first child will be a, a, a boy. Friends, we don't know how it's going to happen, but that's what God spoke to me. I said, no, that's what God told me. Went back to the doctor. I said, you know what? We respect your medical input. We understand you do it on medical basis on, on medical. But there's a supernatural God that spoke to me and said, we will have children, and it's going to be a boy, and you're actually going to catch this boy. Four years later, my oldest brother passed away in a car accident. That's why I say, we don't know how circumstances are going to play out. And I had to do my brother's funeral the next day, you know, after the funeral, we were mourning and there's a family just in pain. My dad walked up to us and said, can we pray for you guys again? Because they prayed for us many times. And my dad prayed a simple prayer. Lord, you've taken life from us. Would you give us life? 
and my wife supernaturally conceived. Guess who caught the baby? Dr. Van der Waard. The same doctor said, you'll never have children. When the baby was there, I said to him, Dr. Van der Waard, do you remember me? Yeah, yeah, we did. I said, no, I'm not talking about the medical process. I said, I was the guy you said, we'll never have children. You remember I came back to you and said, You're gonna, we're going to have children. The first is going to be a boy. As long as I understand, this is a boy. And you caught him. You'll never have an excuse before God wanted it. You did not know. It's not about the baby. It's not about the born. It's not about the miracle. It's about the will of God fulfilled in people's lives, friends. Let me share with you one more story. When we came to Pretoria and we plant church, all of that supernatural. Walked through that property where we have our Willow's Church, Every Nation Park. When I go, went through the gates, God said to me, this is your property. God spoke to me. I'm making a very short story. My elders felt confirmation in their hearts. And then God said, see, if we hear God's voice, we don't have to manipulate people. I went back to our congregation and said, guys, you know what? We feel God gave us, given us this property. Would you go and pray with your spouse? And would you give what God lays in your heart? And God gave me a, a timeline that we will pay this property off in four months. And I spoke to our staff. They thought, oh, you're crazy. Maybe I'm a little bit crazy. You know, I like being crazy when it comes to hearing God's voice because then supernatural is crazy to the world, friends. And uh, my mother-in-law has been working in a, in a lawyer's you know, firm before she worked for us all the years in finances. She said, Phil, this does not happen naturally. You're crazy. People pay over 20 years. You know what? God said, this is your property. We heard God's voice. We announced it twice in our church. And we did not pay the property off in four months. We paid it off in three months. And I can tell you in the detail of that, you'll be amazed to see what God can do. I've spoken about the miracle of salvation. I've spoken about a miracle of provision. I've spoken about a miracle of God, creative miracle, you know, of healing. Friends, I can keep you on going the whole night about an incredible God from finances to healing. But at the end, all of this, this is about Jesus. It's not about the miracles. It's not about faith. I'm not sharing with you testimonies that he would speak, wow, full. I'm sharing with you the testimonies because I want to start to say, wow, John, wow, you know, Elaine, all of you listening to you, that you can express your faith. You don't have to know God 20 years. You can know God one day. It's your faith in God, not how long you know him. It's your faith in God. 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. For all who are born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. Satan is not after your finances. He's not after your health. He's not after your marriage. He's after your faith. Your faith in God. Friends, when we say pray, pray to unlock the supernatural. Pray aligns us with God. Pray makes God's will and God's ways attractive to us. That's what we desire, not ourselves. The supernatural is the supernatural God intervene and does something with what ultimate result it's not just that people God provides it's not just that through lockdown God open up a door again and you got another job now that you do have another job here's the question are you a disciple of Jesus and make disciples or is God just the one who provides provides or is there a change in your behavior a change in your commitment a change in your you know priorities a change in your value system a change in your decision making why can why is it that God just heals and does things but there's not a, a change in the way we serve him in the way we worship him i believe the ultimate result of supernatural is that people get saved and sanctified so that we can serve God with no objection and that we can glorify God and make him famous and it's not about us paul says this is not about me it should never be about any human being. And because of them, we only follow them.
We follow them because we seek God. This is about God. May this be the same in your life. What are you trusting God for tonight? What is that in your life that you want God to do? Let's trust God for that. But I pray that even as God come through for you, may the ultimate result be that you serve Him for the rest of your life with no more compromise, no more excuses. God loves you. And may we be a people who reach out to the world around us so that miracles happen, but the greatest miracle can happen. People get saved and sanctified. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you what you've done in people's lives. I thank you for just the way that you want to use us and the way you love us. But Father, we pray that in the midst of this whole moment, may the ultimate design of our hearts be, you become famous, less of us and more of you. Bless your people. I pray, Father, for those who have need tonight, even this very moment as we speak. I pray that, Lord, that provision, protection, healing, whatever is needed, whatever desire is, the faithful God, would you do that? We ask you. Will we hear, Father, may we hear the testimonies after tonight of what you've done. But Father, may we desire one greatest testimony that after this miracle, the greatest miracle is of the people saved and sanctified, serving you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's get out to the world around us and let's see people get saved and sanctified. God bless you.